I had a mom come to me on Friday. Her name is, I had her name, Paula, that's it. Her name's Paula. Um, Paula said, uh, you're the pastor, right? And we just finished up the last kid, the last child had just left our class. And I said, I am. And she said, um, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. So uh, I took her back in my office and uh, with her daughter and she said to me, I need to ask you a question. Why is it that my daughter loves your church, is begging that you'll do this next week, and I cannot drag her to my church? If I do, she comes kicking and screaming. She said, my daughter hates my church, and she loves this church. She's just really sad that we're not having another week. She loved Mr. Daniel. She loved her class. She loved Miss, uh, Miss, Miss Judy. She loves your daughter. She loves coming home. She gets out her book and she colors the page and she memorizes the verses. She memorizes the extra verses. And, and she said she gets so excited about the Bible. She said, why is that? And I can't get her to, to do that at my church. She said, well, where do you go to church? And she named some Catholic church in town. And I thought, well, there's her problem. Uh, but um, I... Uh, I began to take her through the scriptures, and she had a lot of questions, just a lot of questions. She'd been raised Catholic her whole life, um, has really fallen on a lot of hard times with relationship struggles and things, and um, really didn't know what to do about the gospel. And hour and a half later after I showed her the gospel, maybe two hours later, she was in there a long time. She bowed her head. And with tears in her eyes, she prayed and asked Jesus to come in her heart. Now, here's the backside, back, back part of that story. She's been bringing her daughter to our vacation Bible school, neighborhood Bible time, for three years. And the only time she's been on our property is to drop her daughter off for neighborhood Bible time or vacation Bible school. And that ministry of vacation Bible school that we have every year, it took three years to bring this lady to Jesus. But now she's, she's saved. And she showed up to the award ceremony Friday night and had a big smile on her face like a burden had been lifted off her shoulders. And um, it just, it matters. It matters. We'll get to heaven and we'll see the full rewards of this. But um, it's, uh, it's special. Psalm 1. Let's stand tonight for the reading of God's Word. I am aware of the time. I am going to get you out of here. My mic is not on, by the way. Um, you going to get it on? All right, very good. Uh, I'm aware of the time. I'm going to get you out of here at the normal time tonight. Switch things up a little bit, but we'll get you out of here at the regular time. Psalm 1, let's, uh, let's uh, read the psalm here. I'll read aloud. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish." All afternoon, I've been battling in my heart what to preach tonight. You see, I have a sermon in my Bible about the Holy Spirit. It's right here. We've got slides that are queued and ready to go. Tonight, I have felt 
the Lord leading me to turn to this passage. I don't have a sermon written on this passage, but just to share with you what the Lord has shared with me in my personal devotions this week. And um, I was standing up here on the platform tonight, still debating what I was going to do. And then Pastor Mike has us sing this, this psalm right out of the hymnal, which has not been sung since I've been the pastor in over two years. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll preach Psalm 1. So we're going to spend about 15 minutes or so looking at Psalm 1, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what God has for us this evening. Let's pray. Lord, would you be with us tonight as we look at this passage, as we look at these truths? Lord, I'm not sure everywhere that you're going to take this tonight, but, Lord, something's going to be said that someone needs to hear and so help us all to listen with attentive hearts. Our hearts are stirred and full with the incredible week you've given us. But Lord, while many souls are weary and tired from working hard, I pray, God, that something would be said that would help them, uh, Lord, to be a better Christian. Lord, we sure do love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, you remember Elijah when he was on... Uh, the Mount, fighting against Baal, uh, the prophets of Baal. He won a great victory. Remember that? He won a great victory against Baal. And what happened is that after he called back or prayed back the rain, and he ran all the way back to Samaria, um, Jezebel sent a threatening message, and what 850 prophets couldn't do in intimidating him, one woman intimidated him. And he took off running. Well, I just want to say this about that, is that oftentimes I have found that my greatest spiritual defeats in my life have come on the heels of spiritual victory. And so, White Oak Baptist Church, God's used us to do something special over the last seven days. I don't want to see any defeat come on the heels of this victory. And you need to be more aware than ever before uh, right now. Some of you are tired. You poured yourself into a class. Maybe you worked extra overtime this week at your job, whatever it is, but you're exhausted. And uh, some of you have seen great spiritual victories. Don't let Satan get the upper hand on you because you let your guard down. Let's go back to Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1 there. Let's just take this verse by verse, and let's just talk about it in plain terms tonight. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does it mean to walk in the counsel of the ungodly? Well, there to walk would mean to obey or follow The counsel of the ungodly would be getting wisdom or getting sound advice from people who are godless or uh, outside of God and his word. Getting counsel uh, from the ungodly would be getting advice about life's decisions or uh, a big deal of what to do uh, from people who care nothing about God and his book and are not walking with God and do not know God. And Christian, we've got to be careful that we uh, guard where we get our counsel. Where we get our counsel. Should you take that job promotion? Well, maybe get counsel from people who are godly. Don't go to just your peers around the office and ask them if they're godless and they're not even saved. Uh, Don't walk in that counsel. Other examples of walking in the counsel of the ungodly is allowing the culture around us to dictate to us how we dress, how we walk, how we act, where we go, the words and language that we use. I have found that, unfortunately, too many Christians have a problem with cursing. With cursing. Well, where are we getting these curse words? 
in our vocabulary. We're getting them because we're watching shows with cursing in them. We're watching movies with foul language. We're hanging around people that curse. And when the, be- the worst comes out of us, uh, we're angry or upset with someone, curse words start pouring out of our mouth. This is an example of walking with the ungodly. Look back at verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. What does it mean to stand in the way of sinners? Well, that term way or way of sinners involves hanging out where sinners hang out. Christian, you have no right hanging out in a bar. You just don't. You don't belong there. That's the way of sinners. You have no right uh, hanging out with your buddies down at, uh, at the bowling alley that are lost. Is it a sin to bowl? It's not a sin to bowl. But it is a sin to keep company with people who just don't love God and don't care about Him and spend your leisurely time there. What are you doing? You're walking in the way of sinners. Or rather, you're standing in the way of sinners. Uh, I'm talking about those of you that uh, want to spend time and hang out with people outside of church and you know they're lost and while they might, while they might have some moral standards and while they might uh, care about living a cleaned up lifestyle, they, they are uh, just as saved as the most wicked person alive and you, or, and you know they're lost but you stand in the way of sinners and you, the Bible says you're blessed if you don't do those things. Look there, it says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, who is a scorner? Who is a scorner? A scorner is someone who not only uh, uh, does wrong, but does wrong in a spiteful way, and they hate righteousness. Not only do they hate righteousness, they hate righteous leaders. This did it give you an example of this? This is a Christian school student who hates his Christian school teacher, hates authority, just hates authority. Uh, scorners are not just living their life in a sinful way. They're on purpose trying to recruit people in to living sinful with them. This is someone who is a recruit for Satan. They're recruiting people in to the army of darkness to do bad things. This is, for the teenagers here tonight, this is the person in the locker room who's always telling the off-color jokes. Or the, 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 the child, the student at the lunch table who's always running down the principal or the teacher. Or this is the child in the corner at the church who's criticizing the sermon or the Sunday school teacher. This is a scorner. And the Bible says you're not to sit in the seat. You're not to participate. You're not to fraternize with. You're not to hang out with scorners. For those of you that are employed, this is the guy at work that during the break time when the boss isn't around is always running down the boss. We all know scorners of some sort. And i got to tell you that, listen, those scorners lie in wait for you. And they wait for you to be having a bad day. Or maybe for you to get written up at work over something that you didn't deserve to be written up for. Or they're waiting for you to be reprimanded. And when they see that you're not happy with authority, they're standing right there in the corner waiting to get you to talk bad about authority to them and run down authority. And I just have to remind you that no authority figure is perfect. Nobody. You're going to have run-ins with authority sometimes because your authority figure is a sinner just like you are. And uh, by the way, if you lead, trust me, you're going to make mistakes. And if you run authority above you down, people below you are going to run you down as well. And so don't sit in the seat of the scornful. So you are blessed. You are a blessed man or a blessed woman if you walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you, uh, uh, if you don't stand in the way of sinners, if you avoid the seat of the scornful. Look at verse 2. But his delight 
is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. What's that word delight mean? It means to enjoy. Tomorrow morning, my family and I are going to get in our, our car and we're going to ride down to uh, the Pocono Mountains and we're going to stay in a home with my parents and my siblings and, 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 and in-laws and uh, their children and looking forward to that. You know what I'm going to do over the next six days? I'm going to delight in a vacation. I'm going to eat food cooked on the grill. Um, we're going to bring buy food and eat there. I'm going to eat my wife's cooking and my mom's cooking and my sister's cooking. And uh, I'm going to probably sleep in a little bit. I'm going to delight in my vacation. I'm going to get uh, away uh, from everyone and sit out there on the back porch of that house. And I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to spend extra time with the Lord this week. On top of delighting uh, uh, in uh, the the carnal or fleshly or short, short-term things in life that aren't necessarily sinful. The Bible says, look here, that we are to delight in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. Now, um I got to say that God picks his words on purpose. Delight in the law of the Lord. You know what the law is? The law are the things that we aren't supposed to be doing and we are supposed to be doing. Now, it doesn't say delight in the precepts of the Lord or in the comfort of the Lord. It says delight in the law of the Lord. Now, this comes from having a right attitude toward God's rules. Do you know who the ungodly are? Do you know who the sinners are? Do you know who the scorners are in verse 1? These are people that hate the rules of God. Don't care about them. They either hate them or they're ignoring them uh, or, or they want to pretend like they don't exist. The Bible says, in contrast to hanging out with people that neglect the law of God or at worst hate the law of God, in contrast, if you want to be blessed, you need to delight in the law of the Lord. Now, here's a good way to do that. Alright? Everybody, right now, think of a law of the Lord that you, A, follow and B, appreciate. Just think of one. Someone raise your hand and tell me the law that you thought of. Pastor David? Thou shalt not steal. Aren't you glad that God said thou shalt not steal? That kind of, you know, keeps it plain and simple. Don't take someone else's stuff that doesn't belong to you. Who else can think of a law that is in the Bible they're thankful for? Mike? Thou shalt not covet. That's a good law. And there's a long list there in Exodus 22, is there not? Uh, your neighbor, all your neighbor's stuff and his wife or husband, right, for the ladies. Uh, but we're not to covet. What's another law that you're thankful for? Barb? Bear false witness against thy neighbor. Don't lie. Right? Keep, tell the truth. Now, I want everybody to stop thinking about a law, and I'm not going to have you say it out loud, but think about a law that you struggle with. A law, it doesn't have to be one of the ten, just a law in the Bible that you struggle with. Might have to think a little bit. That you're like, man, I kind of wish that one wasn't there. Think real hard. How many you can think of one that you struggle with? Raise your hand. All right? Do you delight in that one? Do you delight in that law, the one that you struggle with? See, we are blessed if we delight not just in the portions of the law that we keep and are easy for us. We're blessed when we learn to delight in the laws that we don't like so much, that we struggle with. This is equivalent to your mom sitting you down and saying, Eat your broccoli! 
when you're four. And you say, but I don't like broccoli. And you know what they always say? It's good for you. I think, how is this tree on my plate, this bland tree, I might as well go out and eat, eat a piece of bark. Is that good for me? How is this good for me? God says, that law on your plate, delight in it. But I don't like that one. Learn to love it. Learn to love it. i got to tell you, my mom made me eat things I didn't like when I was little, and now I like many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. I developed an appetite. It is not natural for us as sinners to delight in the law of the Lord. It is not natural. We've got to learn to train ourselves to delight in the law of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that we're to delight in it. We're to be excited over it. How do we develop that attitude? Well, it's all about seeing what the law of the Lord is meant to accomplish. The law of the Lord is not there to ruin your fun. The law of the Lord is there to maximize your joy. You understand that? The law of the Lord acts like a fence around the Christian. Um, I picture a little chihuahua dog that was um, uh, overconfident, underperforming. And every day, uh, the pit bull would be taken uh, for a walk by its owner. And that little chihuahua would back up and get a running start. And he'd, throw, he'd bark and bark and bark. And he'd throw himself up against that fence. And in his dog language, he'd say to that pit bull, If I could get through this fence, if this fence wasn't here, I'd rip you to shreds. And that pit bull just laughs. Well, one day someone left the latch open. The, pit, the, the little chihuahua didn't know it. He got his running start like he did every day. He's chirping away in his little barking. He throws himself up against that fence and that fence comes swinging open. And uh, that pit bull had that chihuahua for lunch. And we as Christians, we throw ourselves up against the law of the Lord. And we say, if I could get out of here, I could live my life so free and easy. It'd be so great. And Satan's standing out there like that pit bull saying, I can't wait till you get outside of the auspice of the law of God. I will eat you up. We come running back inside the law of God. And yeah, we experienced our fun because there is pleasure in sin for a season. But uh, true joy is found living inside the confines of the law of the Lord. And when you learn that your, your joy is maximized inside of the obedience of the law, boy, then you learn to delight in it. Look there at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. What does that word meditate mean? There are meditation classes, aren't there? Where you go and you sit down and you cross your legs like 14 times over again. And you hold your fingers like this and you say, oh, is that meditating? That's not biblical meditation. That's weird, okay? Um, meditate, here's a, here's a definition for you. It means to mentally chew. Think about a cow with all those stomachs. Chooses cut and swallows it, then it regurgitates it and chooses cut, cut again and Swallows it and regurgitates it and chews it a little more and swallows it. You sit down with your Bible in the morning and you read it. And um, you know what I do when I read my Bible? I make sure that I circle back around to at least one verse where God spoke to me. And I focus back in on that verse. I don't let myself close my Bible after devotions without doing this. Because then it's just read a couple chapters, close it, move on. No, 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 I need, I need meditation material. So I circle back around to a verse that I'm going to, at different points throughout the day, stop and meditate on. 
I'm going to regurgitate that truth back up into my mental uh, uh, mouth and I'm going to chew on it a little bit more and I'm going to dwell on it day and night. And so I ask God every time I open my Bible, give me a verse. And listen, if I'm slaving through Ezekiel or I'm slaving through uh, some genealogies and there's not much there, I'll turn over to a psalm or a proverb and I'll read a little bit and I'll say, God, give me something out of this passage that I can circle back around to later today and meditate on day and night. And so the Bible says that you're blessed. Now, look down there. Now, I'll show you something really neat and then we'll be done here. Look down there at verse number five. Now, uh, before we read the verse, let me just say that many people wonder how much they knew in the Old Testament because they didn't have the full canon of Scripture. Well, I got to say, Job knew that his Redeemer was going to live. And the Bible had never even been written. He was, that was the first book written. So God had a way of revealing vital truths to those who uh, were uh, were um, uh, born into his family or had believed. Look at verse number 5. We see a little bit of New Testament prophecy here in Psalm chapter 1. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. This is talking about the, um, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. He was saying there's going to be two judgments. There's going to be the judgment seat that the saved go to, and there's going to be the great white throne judgment that the lost go to. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Well, the congregation of the righteous is going to be that judgment where only the righteous are allowed. And so, all the way back in the Old Testament, before much of it even been written, this psalmist knew very well uh, uh, that there was going to be a day of reckoning in, in, uh, in the kingdom of the Lord. Now, uh, one more thing will be done. Look at verse 6. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Christians, we are really good. We are really good at masking and hiding who we really are. I was talking to Brother Harvey about this before church tonight. But ever since we're little, we learn how to hide our sin from our parents. We learn how to cover up our wrongdoing so our parents don't find out. What happens is as we get older, we carry that habit into our adolescence and then adulthood and we can mask and hide things from a spouse or mask and hide things from a boss or mask and hide things from the pastor or mask and hide things and we even subconsciously think we can do that before God. We forget that God can see everything. You may uh, have made a mistake at work and were able to cover it up and your boss never found out. You maybe were able to hide things from your mom and dad as teenagers and they never found out. You may be able to get away with uh, something and your wife or husband not find out. But my friend, there's going to be a day where God is going to reward you. And you might as well go ahead and come clean with God now. I love where David said, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. God, I don't, I want to be an open book before you. I want you to see everything about me. And, and Lord, where, um, uh, where I am subconsciously trying to hide things from you, show me where I'm doing that so I won't do that anymore. And my friends, we've got to have an open heart before God. We say, God, I'm, who I am is right here before you. You already see it. And so, Lord, I'm just going to talk very plain with you. And uh, have that open heart. Uh, look back at Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 6 with me. 
For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Are you righteous? Is your inner, inner parts of your heart righteous? Uh, this is talking about those that are saved versus those that are lost. But Christian, you may be eternally righteous with God, but are you righteous here on earth? Your, your record's cleared for eternity, but here on earth, God is your Father, and you walking through the daily life is your heart righteous. Let's have our heads bowed nice close tonight. Lord, the challenge tonight was sort of shotgun style all over the place. Lord, I don't know who needed what, but Lord, you did. And I don't know why I even brought a message or a challenge out of that passage, but God, you have been working on my heart for some time to do that. And so, God, I pray that the one or those that needed that tonight, it will be an encouragement to them. Lord, may we be careful who we keep company with. Lord, God, help us to delight in all of the law, to appreciate what it's supposed to accomplish in our hearts. Lord, may we be righteous in the inner parts. May we not hide things from you. Lord, may we be an open book that wants to do right. Help us, Lord, of these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can make a decision there at your pew or here at the altar. I would encourage you to come and kneel and talk to the Lord about anything in your life that He's dealing with you on. How about it tonight, Christian?